Hey everybody, welcome to Bump the Cutter. I'm Joseph Nerdone. Today I'm joined, as always, by Jess Reinhardt. Jess, how are you doing? I'm good, Joe. How are you? Uh, I was a lot better 37 seconds ago, right before we were about to record. The Dino <laughs> Gladio news broke, and we're like, we can't talk about this because it is unfolding as we're recording. So what are your thoughts? <laughs> it's it's my fault for quickly browsing Twitter as, as we are about to start recording. Um, so... He threatened to tell the media about recruiting violations, wanted 17 months of salary not to, either in a lump sum or over 17 months. I I see someone replied with a name like Dino, you expect no less, and I I tend to agree. Oh, that's shade against us Italian-Americans. Unnecessary. (laughs) That is 100% what that is. Uh, I was saying to you before we were recording, because we were like, uh, we really can't talk about it because we won't have enough information. And I'm like, why is he so familiar? And I don't know why, like, the Wake Forest thing wasn't the first thing that popped in my head. I was like, oh, he was a head coach somewhere. And I was searching my brain. I'm like, oh, yeah, Army. That's how old I am. I pulled up his (laughs) Army stint, which was apparently from 93 to 97, as opposed to the Wake Forest stint or the louisville stent that which was much sooner uh maybe we'll talk about that in next week's pod or maybe i'll write about it for friday's newsletter post but definitely not an inform- enough information yet to uh, discuss what is basically extortion at the collegiate level it is kind of funny you know that he's going to be charged and arrested for extortion and all these things when you know the bigger issue here might actually be uh you know about getting players paid and all that stuff but whatever uh, we're going to actually focus initially on the Pac-12 hiring a new commissioner in George Klyavkov, and I believe I'm pronouncing his name right. Jess and I both watched YouTube videos that his introductory press conference, which took the guy nine minutes. It took Mike Scholl, <laughs> who I know his names very well by now, to introduce George Klyavkov. It took him nine minutes because he had to thank every president by name. I think he thanked about 13 U.S. presidents. Um, <laughs> so, Jess, outside the initial, like, I've never heard of this guy thing. After you did the Googling on him and be like, okay, this is a guy. Um, and real quick background information on him. Did work MGM. He was the interim main guy at Hulu. Uh, Board of Governors WNBA. Uh, doesn't have any direct ties to co- college basketball or college sports, I should say, because he's the Pac-12 commissioner, not the Pac-12 college basketball commissioner. Uh, no direct ties to the Pac-12. What were your thoughts after learning about him? Um, I I thought it was interesting that the Pac-12 has now doubled down on hiring someone that doesn't have college athletic experience, um, which I'm sure we'll get into more about who he's following up and things like that. But um, I think it could end up being very smart. Um. You know, hearing the things that he talked about off the bat in his press conference um, all makes sense to me. He talked about name, image, and likeness. I think he even, and I admittedly did not watch the whole press conference, but was kind of following on Twitter as it was happening. And I think he did actually mention like sports betting and things like that. And whether or not you like that being part of college sports, I hate to break it to you, but it already is. And I would much rather it be in like a formal way. Um, So I think that's definitely an interesting, interesting aspect about it. Um, And like he said, he knows where their bread's buttered and it's in football and it's in basketball. And hopefully that will also involve other sports, especially with the Pac-12 network. I know I sent you a quote from, Mike Andrea, the Arizona softball coach, um, talking about the Pac-12 network and basically how behind the times they are. Um, And I know there needs to be some renegotiating about some of their deals and things like that. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Um, You touched on like 9 million things there that I... Yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, it's all right. I'm super (laughs) interested in it, right? And there's going to be a lot to unpack here. so when I did my research, it was like I think like everybody else, I think if anybody is like, oh, I know that dude, um, at least in sports, they're circles, lying. They're lying. Yeah, like if you're really into MGM or who like streaming networks, you you probably know who he is. But um, when I was doing research on him, uh, my first fear was this seems a lot like the last hire in trying to 
think too far outside the box. Um, doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it's a bad hire. It's good. We, we won't know if it's a good hire until he actually does his job. But that was like my first reaction. Like usually like the way I always think about it is like if you're a basketball program at whatever level, NBA college, if your current coach is kind of a hard ass and it fails, usually the next time you do the hiring, you kind of go for the player's coach. Uh, usually you don't double down on the hard ass guy. And the Pac-12 kind of doubling down on the outside the box hire was kind of surprising to me. Again, doesn't make it a bad hire. It was just kind of kind of took me by surprise. I thought they were going to try to stay within, um, you know, their actual Pac-12 family. Uh, the next, yeah. the next thing, the gambling thing, right? So I agree with you. Gambling is in college sports. Uh, my biggest qualms was always with with gambling was always how, and this is more of a media tilted thing where all of a sudden the 30-year national college basketball writer became a gambling expert overnight because they knew that's where the money was headed. Mm. Um, but like, mm-hmm. inter- but you are correct. In terms of actual coverage and what how the sport operates, I mean, I have a whole column dedicated to the America East trying to do... T- they should do Tuesday and Wednesday afternoon basketball because of gambling. Um, that's how prevalent it is. I think, you know, leaning into it is not a bad idea to become the league uh, with gambling... Like, you know, proper gambling coverage and connections and relationships because he worked at MGM is good. Um, the biggest issue he's going to face is the same issue most conferences face, but one that as big as the Pac-12 shouldn't be facing right now, which is their exposure. That Pac-12 network, I don't have it in my area, um, or at least through my, my streaming package I have, which is essentially Comcast. And I don't know many people, and I'm on the East Coast, it should know. But like, you know, I wouldn't mind watching Pac-12 basketball or Pac-12 football, and it's really hard to find um, unless it's being broadcast on ESPN or something like that. The softball thing feels like a separate thing because I feel like when you, you there's the money sports, basketball, uh, men's and women's basketball, then football, and then I feel like baseball, softball, those are kind of like one rung under. Um, sure. those, those big three of the money sports. Um I'm just really curious about how he's in because he said all like he won the press conference. Everybody wins the press conference, save for like three people ever. Uh, <laughs> so he said all the right things, but like what what can he possibly do to actually convince? Because he has to con- he's working uh, on behalf of you know the Pac-12 schools. He can't like yes he'll get like he has you know he's like the guy leading the charge, but he has to get all the schools sign up to sign off on it. What does he have to do to like fix that issue? Do you have any idea? I know I'm asking you like a logistical question that's way outside either of our purviews. We're not network television executives, but is there anything he can do to even fix this situation? Or is this something we have to be like, we can't judge him off somebody else's failures? Right. Well, I, I think, you know, part of the reason I sent the, the Mike Andrea video was, it, and it is about like, you know, right, for those who don't know, right now, uh, it's pretty much, um, like, conference championship time, for, at least for softball. Um, they just had the selection show this past weekend. Um, and he was he was more making comments about how, like, you go to the SEC network and it looks more like ESPN than a, a conference's network, right? They have their built-in talent and they're showing highlights throughout the day um in between games during you know lulls in play things like that whereas the pac-12 it's like half the and and i don't have the pac-12 anymore either but he made it sound like half the time like when there's actual games going on they're just showing replays of games that they happen to have and things like that and he was saying how you know, these fans, they they know what's going on because of social media. They know when games are going on and they're going to go to the Pac-12 network and see and hope that, you know, one of these big games is on. And when it's not, you're not getting that exposure that you need. And for a sport like softball, it's, it you know, you want the the girls and the women that you're recruiting to be able to say, oh, you, you can see me at least like once a week maybe on the Pac-12 or something like that. Um so I think even just from like a pure production standpoint, it sounds like there's a lot to be desired there. And I would think would be like a semi easy fix. And 
because of where he's come from, I feel like the production aspect, he if he doesn't know the things, he knows the people that that does. So um I I think that could be, you know, a good a good starting point. I mean, you're right. If that's if it's the production side they're talking about, I've written about it. I think like Matt Brown from Extra Points has podcasts about himself where the the you know sometimes the example I'll use games on ESPN Plus uh, because sometimes I'll watch a, a college baseball or softball game on that, and you could tell which programs, conferences, schools, whatever have tried to invest in that. And it's about, you know, mm-hmm. that's trying to win in, win within the margins, like an area you can control directly by investing money and talent into it. Um, so if that's the case, like, again, I don't have the Pac-12 network, so I'm not seeing the production side of it, like the quality or lack thereof. But if that's an issue, right. that's something with his Hulu background, you would think he's qualified to clean up. He still needs to get that, that network into more... Um, areas more regions i guess you'd put it or or more widely available whether that's working out an agreement with like espn plus or cbsl act like whatever the deal is or even somebody like hulu right um where he has the you know previous relationship with assuming he left on good terms um those things can all help him get that out to more people more widely available because even like some of the other ones like the acc network the texas longhorn network i have some of them um, the ACC, yeah, now, the ACC network is very ESPN-ish um, for obvious reasons. and But yeah, if you put on ESPN Plus at any given time, like if you're listening to this podcast now and you want to know what like, I'm referencing, find any baseball or softball game on there that isn't Texas and you will see very substandard broadcast. Like it feels like watching a poorly taped high school game. And mm-hmm. th- I've seen high school games locally here on TV that are better production value so hopefully that's something he can fix because Pac-12 is obviously a super valuable conference to and we're a college basketball podcast to college basketball um we're not that far removed from the Pac-12 after dark stuff um they have fun teams Mike Mike Hopkins our boy out there Mm -hmm. like we have like there's this isn't a thing where east coast people east coast people refuse to stay up to watch them um, East Coast people stay up to watch the Lakers, the Clippers, the Warriors. It's about available. I feel like it's about availability, marketing. Um, if the production value, like again, because I don't want to say it's bad because I haven't seen it. If the production value is bad, it's about improving that. Now, if I want to circle back to a question with you, he did talk about women's sports. He has a connection to women's sports. What do you th- do? You think he's actually going to emphasize? Because part of part of the um, press conference that Sh- Mike Scholl guy was saying that they were he blew their socks off right during the interview process the more they found out about him that he values athletes safety which is like a big talking point now after mark emmert disaster even though they renewed they gave him an extension is athlete safety plus the women's sports side where the women's tournament they just did not handle well and if we want to go best case scenario best case scenario is they were ignorant and they were um just very bad at their jobs worst case scenario is they didn't care if the women's basketball tournament was held Mm -hmm. in a safe type of uh situation um do you think this is hey we're going to say the right things because of everything that happened with mark emmert in the ncaa tournament the women's ncaa tournament or do you think because of his background with the wnba um that he's going to actually try to shift the real focus onto women's sports, primarily women's basketball, women's softball. Right. Well, I I mean, I really, really hope it's not just, you know, um, him saying what he knows people want to hear or thinks people want to hear. I do – it. I think it was – was it as – uh, recently, as January, MGM still owned the the Aces, the Las Vegas Aces of the WNBA, and so he, I think, was their technically like their general manager or something. Um, and I just think, especially coming from the Pac-12, um, which, if you all don't know who Sedona Prince is, she's a basketball player for Oregon, and she's the one that like initially posted the TikToks and the posts about the the disparity between the men's and the women's tournament and what their quote-unquote like workout equipment was and things like that so 
I think especially coming from the Pac-12, like, you have no choice. Like, I don't, like, maybe you don't care about women's sports, but guess what? You don't have a choice now because after everything that went down with the NCAA tournament and because of how close to home it is with it being, you know, that um, Oregon player, like, really bringing it to light and then obviously players joining in on that, um, he, I mean, he just has no choice in my in my opinion. And it does sound like because of his... Um, experience with the aces and things like that like i think you know and i I would like to hear like what he said in their interviews about it obviously but um i i hope it's it's on the in the right direction yeah i'm with you like my fear when people do press conferences they're just trying to say what people what they think people want to hear (laughs) like that's i know that's a cynical way to view things but like we have no but i mean and it's not and it's not just what people want to hear. It's like there was a, a tweet like a few weeks ago and it was like breaking. There is a right way to play basketball. And all and it just spliced together every new coach in this offseason in their press conference saying we're going to play the right way. We're yeah. going to play the right. Like it's like there's this like ad libs for a press conference and you just fill in your information and that's it. It's, you know, and it, it's hard not to just be like, all right, you're just, you know, every, and my dad always points this out, <laughs> every single college basketball coach that gets hired says that they want to get fans to the games and they want to play fast. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> that doesn't, that never happens. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, it's just this whole like, yeah, fill in the blank of your information. This is what you're going to tell people. But, like, whether or not it actually happens remains to be seen. Yeah, Jordan Serber also had a clip spliced together of every coach of the offseason saying, uh, we're going to play fast. Is that who did it? Okay. Yeah, oh, oh, he did it. We're going to play fast. We're going to play okay, fast. Maybe, that, and, maybe I'm mixed. And the very last coach, I can't remember the coach. It was a smaller school coach. Just said, I'm not going to say we're going to play fast because I don't want to end up on one of those spliced tweets. And... uh I thought it was funny because obviously not every team plays fast. Most teams in college actually play pretty slow. Um, but yeah, the women's thing is interesting to me because one, if anybody is going to realize that there's a market for it, it'll be it should be this guy because he had like you know I know it's a different level of women's basketball, but being involved with the WNBA in two separate capacities, you would think he would realize the value in it. Um, plus, at the I don't want to say it's one of the good things. Obviously, you'd prefer if the women's tournament was handled better to begin with. But one of the good fallouts of that, again, it's a weird way to phrase it. One of the silver linings of that really poorly handled situation was the fact we realized that the NCAA um, bundling the women's package with the non-revenue sports actually shows how much more value it actually really has. Because it's the only reason they were able to get some of those lesser tiered uh, sports on like ESPN and like these, the women's game drew such good rate ra- ratings that it was kind of the anchor to that deal. Even though the women's game probably on its own would actually get a bigger, bigger value, a more financially uh, appropriate deal on its own. But the NCAA mm-hmm. decided to use that as like the anchor to get all these other non-money sports on television as well. I have like mixed feelings on it. That I feel like if you're going to do that, use like college football as your anchor, and then make them bid a bajillion dollars, and then have the women's sport go on their own and you know make appropriate money through TV deals. I just I always like I don't want to be redundant on it, but the his background seems great for the fit. We mentioned the Hulu thing, the women's sports thing. Um, Pac-12 has you know Oregon's a really good women's basketball program. Uh, it's something you think uh, Arizona was just yeah. in the championship. You think they'd want to? Oh, and Stanford. It was Arizona versus Stanford. You, you think they'd want to highlight these things more and better? And I know there'll be people like oh, women's basketball. Nobody cares. No, people really do care. The ratings tell suggest otherwise. Like this isn't nineteen whatever where you could say, well, nobody watches the games. They do. Um, and then with the with the men's side, you know, it's about exposure it's about they the um mike Scholl was saying during the introductory press conference in that nine minute lead up to actually introducing the guy about how when they were interviewing him 
and they were talking about I want a guy that's always visiting campuses and things of that nature. Um, I don't know how relevant that is actually to that kind of job in 2021. I know the human, like direct, direct human interaction is pretty important to some people, uh, but we just lived through, you know, or we still are living through like over a year of Zoom meetings and stuff like that. I thought that was a weird talking mm-hmm. point uh, to go alongside of why they, they were so impressed with him because he seemed like a guy that was going to visit college campuses. But the business side seems like a really net positive to me on the outside, like from an outsider's point of view without like actually knowing the guy and all that background. Like I, I, I was wrong with what the softball coach said. Apparently it had more to do with the production side of things. And he has that, that exact background. Um, but given the Pac-12's history, say this doesn't work, what happens? Like, how bad would this be considered, given the, their most recent mm. Pac-12 commissioner? Like, are they up against it? Is this has does this have to work? It's weird because I feel like a lot of what I've read is people talking about how the Pac-12 still goes by the the conference of champions when they haven't won um a championship i think in football since 2004 and men's basketball was 1997 um and it's just it's interesting to me the dynamic between the university level and the conference level like how much does he move the needle on flat out just like Pac-12 teams being better. And I know that there's a whole ripple effect of like, okay, you get the Pac-12 on TV to more people. You get that exposure. Um, Kids across the country see that and want to play there. And then that's how you get the good kids to go there. And then that's how you start winning. But it's like, where does that... (sighs) I just, it, it's hard for me to wrap my head around like how he specifically impacts the winning. Um, but I know, and I know, but I, part of it, it wow, I just like really jumbled that up. Sorry. <laughs> um, I know that one of his talking points also was the college football expansion, which I think obviously it's, because he wants a better chance for a Pac-12 team to be in there. Because right now it's, what, you you pretty much always know you're going to have, what, one or two Big Ten teams and Clemson, and then there's, like, this mystery fourth team or something like that. Um, I, I'm not the biggest, like, or Alabama, like in this, college football. Yeah. Or, yeah, or, sorry, yeah, that's what I mean. Sorry, sorry. Like, two SEC schools, a bi- like, Big Ten school and – Clemson and like that's pretty much it right um so obviously at that level that's where he can help and driving being a driving force and trying to get that college football expansion um things like that uh but if this doesn't go well (sighs) first of all they got to stop referring to themselves as conference of champions um (laughs) but yeah it's I don't know. I, I maybe then that's when they finally go back to like hiring someone, not necessarily from within, but with like actual college athletic experience. Yeah, it's but oh, go ahead, may, maybe their success is something different. Like it's leading, you know, college football expansion. It's leading name, image, and likeness legislation. It's leading integrating uh betting and maybe even like we can get into like nfts and things like that like maybe maybe that's the like i could see him going that route and that would be cool i'd be down with that um it, it'll be interesting as long as he doesn't like describe himself as like an agent of chaos or a disruptor <laughs> those are like like that silicon valley galaxy brain type yeah but there are things he could do like you made a very good point some of it's like uh 
reciprocal. Like if you get more eyes on the network or the network or just the conference in whole, it means more money. The more money, the more money schools could use to invest in their sports programs. The more money you invest in sports programs, the more likely they're to be better. Um, I remember I won't name the coach, but I remember I was talking to a Division One coach a couple years ago. And we were talking about how hard it is to, well, he was talking to me about how hard it is to make a good Division One program. And I argue that if Harvard wanted to be the best team in in the country, they would be. Because all they'd have to do is hire the best coach. <clears throat> and they have the biggest endowment in all of college. So they like if they wanted to give John Calipari $50 million a year, they could afford it. Um, that's obviously hyperbolic, but they actually could afford it. Um, Mm -hmm. that obviously does not apply to most schools, but that was my point to him. Like, you know, if the school really wanted to be the best at college basketball, all all it really takes is the coach. You can see what just happened to UCLA. They hired what it seems to be, at least in the short term, the right coach and McCronin, you know, they just made a run. And this is after the Steve Alford debacle. And even during the Steve Alford debacle, they had the Lonzo Bala era for a single year. Um, but yeah, the money part is important. Like if you get money in and there's multiple ways to do it. And like you mentioned, some very good, very good points, the integration of, of betting, which I feels like obviously going to happen here. There's just too many, you know, dots connecting and he's already mentioned it. And that's, we. I hope it's not NFTs. I feel like that's the world's biggest scam is NFTs. <laughs> uh, but that's like me being probably just an old person, not understanding them. It doesn't mean they're not legitimate. I just don't understand them. But there are things he could do that's not like he probably can't physically go, hey, Washington, be better at football. Like he can't like I'm sure Washington. Right. I mean, Washington's a weird school because they don't have a ton of money and they it, it's always been a little weird with how they dealt with their their sports programs. Not to say they don't care about them, but some schools don't have as much money as you think they have. Um that used to be the knock for UCLA for years. It'd be like, they don't have a private plane. How are they going to recruit national recruits? Um, he can't obviously force schools to do stuff, but he could help their make their jobs easier by bringing more, an influx of money in, right? That's where the previous commissioner got, you know, a lot of, a lot of shit because he didn't do a great job with the TV deals. There wasn't as much money coming in had he done a better job of negotiating these things while other other, you know, like, it's not the greatest comparison because it's apples to oranges. But like the Big East did a pretty solid job with the, when they did with the Fox Sports deal because it was a basketball only league. They didn't have football, and football's you know the actual real money maker in the whole grand scheme of things. But they did very well for being a basketball only league. Their exposure stayed high. You know what I mean? They still. I love were... Saturday morning Fox Sports Big East. It's great. Yes, like and you know where to find them. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not this yep. difficult deal. Like if I. I'm sure, like, obviously you could find a Pac-12 game, basketball, football, a night. Uh, well, maybe not a night, not for basketball at least. But you could still find the games. But, like, I know exactly where I'm going for my Big East basketball. I know exactly where I'm going for the ACC, um, the American for that matter. I know where I'm going. Um, for the smaller conferences, I know I could throw on ESPN Plus and find them there. Like, there's very easy mm-hmm. – like, for, for a Pac-12 game, I, I know obviously I could Google it. But, I mean, when I say find it, I mean, like, do I actually have that channel? And it doesn't seem like I really do often have those channels. But you, I think you made very good points of other ways he could help generate money. Because it is really money that's going to drive what happens next. Because, you know, they're not really going to... He's not really in a position to just fix TV deals day one. He has somebody else's mm-hmm. mess. And all he could do is make the best of somebody else's mess. Um, that's why I was, I was kind of... I guess I was setting it up to be like... Yeah, we're gonna have to, like everybody's gonna have to be patient with this guy for a minute, and I know that's like not the opinion, like the thing people want to hear about, like especially Pac-12 fans, they don't be here like, oh, give this guy two years, can't really judge him yet. But that's kind of where I feel like you have to be with him because he's inheriting like just a debacle, and he can't. Yeah, the, most of the big big things, he's locked in contracts with. He can't just be like, I'm, I'm, you know what? No more Pac-12 Network. That's done. ESPN, do you want to buy the rights? He can't do that. Like, that's not something I don't think he's capable of doing, at least. Um, but, like, the, all those other things you mentioned, he um, he could totally do. The betting thing is so important. Now, if as a fan, right, let's focus on that part. How would you like it int- integrated into the coverage? Um, That's a good question. I, so, I mean, first of all, hopefully, I, I know 
uh, Cuomo has announced that soon uh, mobile betting will be allowed in New York. Like, we still have that issue of, like, it not being allowed in every state. Um, but I really liked what the XFL did. Um, like, literally made it part of the broadcast of, like, showing what the line was, like, at the beginning of the game and then updating it either. Maybe I don't remember exactly what it was, if it was, like, always up or if it was like by quarter they would show like the live line or something like that um i mean i feel like that's a pretty pretty easy you know you can get deals with whether it be mgm or bet online or i don't i don't know enough to know like all the the companies and things like that but um that would be cool um it'd be cool if there was like daily fantasy stuff like DraftKings or FanDuel or something like that that would be dope um like do I want a team of like uh Drew Timmy Jalen Pickett yeah well you'd have to like he'd have to really and he did say lean into the name image and likeness because I don't think he could do that without that I don't know I know I think you can oh that's Uh, that's weird to me right like like it's not like uh Steph Curry's getting a piece every time I like add him to one of my daily fantasy lineups. That's true. That it just feels weird uh, to me that it, it does feel no, for sure. Absolutely. Um we could tell I'm not a gambling expert. <laughs> um you know, maybe it's I'm trying to think of like other ways they could integrate it. Um I mean, even if, what if it, like, at the games, like, could you have, like, betting stations? Like, I know we have a casino up by my parents' house, and I've only been a couple of times. And I know you can either, let, like, you can build a ticket, like, on your phone, and then you just have to go there and, like, scan it, and then it spits out your, your ticket. But, like, you can't do it on your phone because we can't do mobile betting here. Um, so... Could there literally be like kiosks throughout the stadium or like throughout the game? You could just like randomly pop up and be like, you know what? I am going to put like 20 bucks on this. Like, that'd be cool. That would be actually pretty. I'm not like a heavy, I'm not a gambler at all, but that'd be like, I have a casino right by where I live, like a five minute drive. And I have gone to see the ponies race before. And one of the cooler things to do is go to the kiosk and put in your bet for the pony race. And go and watch. Imagine being at, you know, a Pac-12 basketball game, and whoever it'll be, say UCLA is playing whoever, and you're at you're you're a fan of UCLA, and you're like, I want to bet the quarter over under, and you just go to that kiosk there, and that obviously would generate income all over the place. I don't know how super popular it would be, and I I, I don't know how much like what the taxes are on that, what revenue they'd have to get back mm-hmm. to the state. Is it legal to in every state that's involved in the Pac-12? I don't know that either. But that's like a really interesting idea. Given his background, if anybody's qualified to figure that out, it probably would be him. Um, exactly. Even if, even if it ends up some, something centralized, like, hey, this is all the things we're going to do in the state of California or whatever state it ends up being. Uh, I, I, I find that idea very interesting. The, the broadcast thing, I think you're right, is pretty easy to think, easy to fix. Beginning of the game... Here's the records. Here's the over/under. Here's this team last five games against the spread. The other team five games against the spread. Let the mm-hmm. let the broadcasters call the game like an adult. They don't have to do the sneaky like my friends in Vegas. You know they they could just say or like a last second shot gets hit in garbage time and they're like someone's gonna be mad about that. Right. Like, you could no, just, just you could just acknowledge <laughs> it. You could just acknowledge it. And be like oh wow what a bad you know what a bad you know what's that saying. What a bad bump. Not a bad way. beat. Bad beat. What a, see? I'm such not a game. What a bad <laughs> beat. Um, those are those things like really fascinate me because I am I have been kind of surprised the conference hasn't leaned into it completely yet. Um, especially like a smaller one that is like I don't want to say desperate for income, but looking to win between the margins, like in areas they can't compete with power conferences. Uh, the Pac twelve is a power conference, but this is like it seems like a a relatively easy not try hard way to um you know win between the margins among the big boys and recoup some of the money they're losing on that tv deal by not having a better one that is fast i do wonder and i i don't know enough about policy state policy federal policy to know how this would play out and how much paperwork it would take or how much legwork and logistical work it might take to make to make it happen 
but assuming that you know he's well educated in the topic which he should be because of the MGM connection and he's talked about it already I think that's something that could happen and maybe will happen sooner than like even someone like me realizes like maybe I'm making it seem overcomplicated I, and I do wonder if something like that would attract more people. Obviously, the people that are already gambling, they're attracted to gambling regardless. But would they become more... I guess my question question to you, and maybe you have a better pulse on it than I would, would that become a more popular league overall? Or is it just like the same... I don't want to call them degenerates. The same guys that st- start betting at 7 p.m. Eastern, that stay up till 11 right. p.m. to chase you know chase down like if they lost early they're doing they're ch- trying to chase what they lost are they gonna would that actually expand the market or just be like oh okay those people were already there you're just making a better product for them um no i think it'll expand so i'll give you an example like like i said we have a casino back home now and it's it's relatively new um and so Every once in a while, my dad will hit me up, and it's just, you know, he loves basketball just like I do. He not, you know, he, he enjoys checking in on college football, but not a huge, you know, buff into it. But what he'll do just to, like, make the day more interesting, he'll just go do a $5 three or four game parlay, which, like, almost never hits, but he's only spending five bucks. But if it hits, he'll, you know, win 20 or whatever. Um, and it's just like, it's just making the day more interesting, right? Making, you know, you're, you know, laying around or for him, it's, he's probably cooking all day and it just has the games on and makes it more interesting. I think there's a lot of cases like that, whether or not those small cases of five, $10 bets every weekend, every other weekend, like add up, I think they could, um, and you know as we're talking i'm just trying to like half-ass google search uh mobile sports betting (laughs) and uh i'm like looking at this map and all i all i know is california's red so i'm guessing that's bad but uh as in like they don't allow it um it looks like wagering could begin as early as 2023 of approved so like they're still kind of off but you know maybe i don't know can he help with that and with his background and like with the pac-12 like being so heavily concentrated both on the west coast and just like in california in general who knows um so that's definitely part of it but um maybe could some schools do it while others can't i don't know maybe um maybe that's good enough too if only some schools it's better than zero schools I was going right. to, the thing, I, like, when you were talking, I was thinking about how I have a casino in Wilkes-Barre by me, and when I was a kid, like, there was, gambling wasn't legal. You'd have, like, local bookies and stuff like that, and everybody would complain about the local bookies and those that gambled. Oh, blah, blah, like, they'd call them degenerates or losers and all that stuff. Then as soon as we got the casino in the early 2000s, then all of a sudden those same people are at the casino every day. So like I was talking right. about, like, is there a market? Would the market actually grow? Well, the market in my area didn't seem like it was a heavy gambling area outside those people that were in those circles with bookies and stuff like that. Um, and everybody else claimed, no, gambling bad. Then they put a casino up here. It was so ex- successful, they put a, another. Do you know what I mean? So, right. And we're not a very small or very large area. I'm in Scranton, Wilkes-Barre. Like we're talking two very, very, very small cities. And we have multiple casinos now because of, how popular gambling is and you're right like you're saying about your father putting that even if it's only a couple bucks on a parlay or you know in basketball well i mean they could still do parlays in basketball it it does make that that a little more interesting a little more here in the game especially if you're not a fan of the teams involved i'm more i know if i had money on a game i'm more likely to watch it as opposed to just watching a game for no reason at all um Mm -hmm. But I do think the the market the it it would grow bigger, and then obviously other like say say the Pac-12 was first to this, like first to fully embracing it. Like obviously other like there are broadcasts that do acknowledge it. There are leagues that aren't running away from it. But I mean the first one to fully be like, hey, we're like the lean gambit. into it. Yeah, like, yeah, hey, the, the line on this game is 
uh, Arizona's giving five and uh, over under is whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then just fully acknowledge the whole thing the whole way through and make it easier for your, your I guess you would call them customers, customers slash fan base to place a bet or to know all the information they would need to know to place the bet. They, being first on that, I feel like would be very important. Like it just... Or it brings in people that aren't fans of the Pac-12, but just like want to bet. Well, there's definitely a pocket and, of sports fans that kind of stick to a regional still viewpoint mm-hmm. of it. Like if um, I know when I was, the world was much bigger then. But when I was younger, like I only watched the Big East and the Patriot League because that's all that was available to me. But I guarantee there are still people older than me that only still follow those leagues just because. You know, it's like habit viewing, right? But if you give yeah. them that reason to give the Pac-12 a chance, and maybe they'll like the pro- like that's the thing too. Like, and then it circles back to like the production value. If they if they watch the product and they're like, I like this product. It's like any other product in the world. Well, then I'm gonna want more of that product. You know, so it's it's all you know citrical whatever the word the verbiage proper verbiage is if they could put the product out there in the best way humanly possible and then find a way to reach people to at least give the product the chance and then you get a percentage of that product to stick or the percentage of that people to stay invest it in the product because i think that's important like if this will circle back to the early 2000s usc football program they were so dominant i know all the people i grew up with like a lot of them became usc fans because of it and then they stopped when it became really hard. Like, obviously, it's not really just the Pac-12's fault this happened. But when Pete Carroll left and they started running through coaches and they became bad, they're not going to, like, go out of their way to watch USC football now because the product's really poor. But if you could get the pro- the overall product, because now we're talking about the conference, to be better, more enjoyable, and you have all these other options to go alongside with it, like the gambling or NFTs, like you mentioned, or what other, other innovative things they could figure out, that could make it... You know, it kind of also saves hedges a little bit, like it gives them multiple op- multiple reasons for uh, a consumer to want to consume the product. Mm, yeah. Customer, consumer. I don't know what to call them because I want to keep calling them viewers. But if you're going to start going into the gambling NFT realm, then they I like be- consumer. Yeah, consumer, consumer, customer, viewer. But we, I think we all kind of know what I mean, I hope. Yeah. Um, Jess, I think we covered a good amount of things. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we yell at people to follow us on Twitter? Um, trying to think here. Uh, let's see. Uh, just in the vein of like promoting women's sports and things like that, everyone should go watch the 144 documentary on ESPN. Um, it's was produced by WNBA players and is a look at the Wubble and the 144 players that were there. Um, And yeah, I think it shows why we need to continue to support women's in sports. Um, And it's funny for me, it's like, there was this conversation about uh, women's basketball not having like one and done players, Um, you know, with players like Caitlin Clark and Paige Beckers um, really just like blowing up on the scene prior to and during the NCAA tournament. Um, but I I would argue that these women having four-year college degrees really shows, especially in things like this documentary. And just, I mean, they literally show you the day that the league stopped playing because of the racial injustice and things like that um they like they brought you into the i don't know if it was like a cafeteria or a conference room or whatever and like showed them actively trying to make the decision on whether or not they should play and like these women who are like highly educated because they got their you know got their degrees paid for to play basketball and things like that like it shows and um i just thought it was really good doc so i think everyone should go watch it yeah that was i mean i don't i haven't seen the doc I mean, I'm probably going to watch it now. But I always found interesting. I don't know if it's as much a talk. It doesn't seem like it's as much, as much a talking point now. And I know we're not a WNBA podcast, so we won't go long on it. But a couple years ago, players, a couple WNBA players said they treated the WNBA like their side job as opposed to their overseas job where they got paid better. Yep. And I always felt like whenever they do talk about social issues or 
they have a lot more on the line than like an NBA player. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they're not making, most aren't making. And that's, yeah. And I don't want to like spoil it because this is well, the one part that like it literally gave me chills. But like one player gets into like, if the NBA doesn't play today, nothing really happens for them. Like they're going to be okay. If we miss one paycheck from not playing a game, like that is a big deal for us because because of what you're talking about like whether it's like the pay discrepancy or just like yeah it's more like their second job because they don't get paid as much um as overseas yeah i'm, I'm gonna do a quick side rant because this is a conversation i had with an actual economist um a couple years ago i won't say who this is because it, it actually um it's, it was something i worked on even though it never went live we were talking about how coverage affects ratings and the movement of money and I was just basically asking him, like, as I was, you know, I'm a longtime college basketball writer, journalist, whatever you want to call me. And I always used to argue that if ESPN wanted to make college basketball a thing, they could. And in theory, that would apply with every other sport. And he said 100%. Like, at one point or another, they decided the two sports for the NFL and NBA. And that's kind of why they're the most popular sports. So, if you know, mm-hmm. if the ESPN was like, and the NBA, you got to remember their part, how their relationship with the WNBA. Um, given ESPN's reliance upon the NBA, or the NBA for content, if the NBA and ESPN were like, hey, let's make the WNBA into enough of a thing, they could. They 100% could. Um, it has nothing to do with men don't like watching women play basketball. This isn't like the 1950s. Like, there's That's such a minority group of people that think that way at this point. If the product was covered in a way and broadcast of broadcast in an easy enough way to consume, um, which to circle us back to the Pac-12 conversation a little bit, they'd watch. They just would. Like people love live sports. It's the only thing. It's the only thing that's still valuable in this time of streaming. Yeah, I, I you you mentioned before we uh, recorded that you binge watched the um, the Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. and you didn't need to watch that live because of the way almost all non-sports are broadcasted now. You don't have to watch anything live. You don't. You just don't. I watched Mayor of Easttown. If I wanted to wait until the whole show aired, I could have just binge watched it. You know what I mean? But with sports, it's the only thing where you have to watch it in the moment or you're going to, you know, you're just going to find out. You're just going to find yeah. out. However, because you're going to, because if you watch sports, you read sports, you listen about sports, all these other things, you're just going to find out. So I do think that's a thing where uh, I do wish, you know, places cared more about the WNBA. Um, mm-hmm. Women's sports in general. I mean, I mean a lot of sports. Like, there's sports I personally don't care about, right? Like, I don't care about baseball. So I guess, like, I'm like, yeah, I don't care that baseball is not on. I really like basketball. I like all levels of basketball. So women's college hoops, men's college hoops, the WNBA, the NBA. I want them all to have big platforms. I know, like, it's not realistic to be like, all sports should be on TV at all times. But if they're just my sport, I'm okay with it. <laughs> of course. All right, just plug your Twitters, and then we'll get running away. Yeah, um, you can find me at jryan44. Follow the Knicks wall or draft coverage. I think we're going to start recording this week, but it won't be released probably closer until closer to the draft because for the first time since I've been part of TKW – they're not in the lottery um so a little bit less to talk about um yeah watch the WNBA opening weekend was super fun so uh that's pretty much all I talk about on my Twitter right now nothing wrong with that um you guys can follow me on Twitter at Joseph Nerdon I am playing the Mass Effect Legendary Edition on my PlayStation 4 (laughs) if anybody wants to get me an Xbox Series X that'd be great And I don't really have anything else to plug. So I appreciate you guys listening and we'll see you next week.